there's this altruistic great compassion that's our goal, it's what we aspire to, to be able to have compassion for all living beings, regardless of our personal opinion of them, whether we like them or not, or approve or not. And it's a process to get there. Welcome to the Wisdom of Compassion, a podcast presented by White Conch Dharma Center. Our guests share their successes and struggles as we aim to deepen our confidence in the value of compassion. I'm Nawang Zopa, and joining me today is Nawang Tekchen. Tekchen is a monastic in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. She holds a PhD with a major in nursing and a minor in psychology. In addition to teaching nursing online, Tekchen spends the majority of her time teaching the foundations of Buddhism as one of the white conch teachers in training. She also has a secularized program of loving-kindness for nurses and other professionals. Tekshin, so nice to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm honored. Can I ask you, what does the name Tekshin mean? It is um, Tibetan for Mahayana. And so someone who's familiar with Buddhism would understand that. But for people who are not, it means great vehicle. And it refers to the vehicle of great altruistic compassion or the path of great altruistic compassion. So when I received the name, I was delighted and honored. I yeah. think it's a very auspicious name. Absolutely. Very honored to carry it. So the great altruistic path of compassion. Mm-hmm. What, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> In a nutshell. In a nutshell. Well, you know... Coincidentally, last week there was this horrific terrorist attack in Paris. And you can see in people's responses fear as opposed to compassion. Some people are just totally terrified and that leads them to anger and that leads them to hatred and they just want revenge and they want to take revenge on anybody who reminds them of the terrorists. And then there's the people who say, wait a minute, all these other people had nothing to do with it. There are, there are these refugees by the tons of thousands suffering, and we have a responsibility to help them escape suffering. Compassion is the desire to alleviate suffering. Hmm. So great altruistic compassion would be, at its highest level, compassion for all beings, whether we approve them or don't, whether we like them or don't, that we want all beings to be free from suffering. Mm -hmm. It takes us a while to get there. It's not like we're there. <laughs> it's yeah. not like I'm there. Yeah, it's a lifelong practice, absolutely. I'm glad that you've mentioned this because I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about it, but <clears throat> one of the things that I've, I've seen in response to these attacks uh, – and this was on social media. Prayers for Paris was something that people were promoting. And there was a response to that. I think out of anger or frustration, people said, we don't want prayers. We don't want prayers for Paris. What are your thoughts hearing people say, we don't want this? Is this a movement towards rebelling against uh, organized religion almost? I think from their point of view, it probably is. And in a way, I understand, but there's some deeper understandings of the development of compassion. Like I said earlier, 
you know, there's this altruistic, great compassion. That's, that's our goal. It's what we aspire to, to be able to have compassion for all living beings, regardless of our personal opinion of them, whether we like them or not, or approve or not. And it's a process to get there. Yeah. And a process is a process. You put one foot in front of the other. And it's one step at a time. So when people are saying prayers for Paris, I mean, you can almost feel it of prayers. I want to send prayers. Yeah. What it is, it's, it's this compassionate goodwill from their heart, their desire to do something. And in this moment, that something is simply to feel that compassion, that energetic desire, that should be um, nurtured. It's practicing that desire, that feeling is the actual practice. It's the meditation. So to say, no, don't do that, that's not appropriate, is counterproductive. Others say, don't do that, take action. Well, yes, take the action you can, but this desire should be behind any actions. Yeah, certainly there's obviously no harm that's being done by people praying and, and by holding these individuals in compassion. So you're not just a student of Buddhism, but you are also a teacher as well, as we just saw a little bit of. Um, <laughs> I teach basics. I, I don't teach the complicated stuff. Okay. I just want to make that clear. I teach the basics. So the basics, what, what aspects of the basics or what aspects of Buddhism do you enjoy teaching the most? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will give you more than that. But, you know, that's like saying, which color of the rainbow is your sure. favorite? Yep. Sure. Yep. Sure enough. Um, what I teach, generally teach the most, and really, really enjoy teaching, is loving kindness. What is loving kindness? Different ways of looking at it. Loving kindness really is two words. So loving kindness would be acts of kindness based on the motivation of love. So we we were just talking about acts and and prayers, or the compassion, and then the actions that may follow. Loving kindness would be actions that would be taken based on the motivation or the underlying feeling of love. So you could actually have actions based on the underlying feeling of compassion, although I've never heard the term compassion kindness, but you could. People could take actions that appear kind based on the desire to look good <laughs> But loving-kindness is specifically actions of kindness based on a loving motivation. So when you, and you just mentioned you haven't heard of uh, compassion-kindness, at least in this context, what is the difference between loving-kindness and compassion? Where, where is the distinction between those two? Okay, between love and compassion. That's an excellent question. Many people get them confused. I've heard, even in Buddhism, I've heard them smished together as though it were the same. They are two different things. We have, in Mahayana Buddhism at least, no, it's in all of Buddhism. The Theravadins have it too. 
what can be called the four great wishes or the four measurables. And these are four wishes or mind states that we train our mind in and that hopefully we learn to act out of. And we say, may all sentient beings or all living beings have happiness and the cause of happiness. And you can hear that said different ways. Sometimes I hear, and the cause of extraordinary pure happiness, which I sort of like because that gives me a very uplifted feeling. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> and then there's, and may they be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. So the difference is, Love is the desire for others to have happiness. And compassion is the desire that they be free from suffering. Now that sounds really similar. If you think about the Syrian refugees, or if you think about the pain that they're going through in Paris, the people who have lost, those in the hospital, those who've lost loved ones, you feel compassion for them. There's an edge of sorrow to that. Someone is suffering and you want them to stop suffering. So what happens when someone stops suffering? What is the end of suffering? And it took me a while to, to contemplate what is the end of, what is the opposite of or the end of suffering? And it wasn't until I was paying attention to a line in one of our practices that we do, the practice of the Buddha of compassion. And the line says, may there be happiness and comfort everywhere equaling space. Meaning may all beings to the, to the end of space have happiness and comfort. Comfort is the lack of suffering. If there's no suffering, you're comfortable. Happiness is more than that. Now, mind you, if you were really suffering and then you became comfortable, you'd be pretty happy about it. <laughs> but real happiness is above and beyond that, is an uplifted feeling. It's a joy. Okay. There is no sorrow to it. There's no edge. There's no but to authentic happiness. And so when we wish someone to have happiness, that's love. And if you think about someone that you really love, I'm, I know you have a brother. I'm going to suggest you think about your brother. When you think about your brother, what is your wish for him? I want him to be happy. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like, well, duh, but it's also an aha. Yeah. I really want someone to be happy. And, and let me explain it this way. If you think about an enemy, it's hard to imagine you have any enemies, though, but, but anyway, <laughs> if you think about someone that you don't particularly like, it's easier to wish that they be free from suffering than it is to wish that they be happy. Okay. In my opinion, and I will, I will admit this is my opinion, and it does go against what some other people have as their opinion, Love is harder. Love is harder. To... It's harder to develop for everyone. It's easier to have compassion for everyone than love for everyone because it's easier to wish that your enemies be free from suffering than it is to wish that they be happy. I see. And that is, I take total responsibility. For... <laughs> well, you 
You happen to know quite a bit about loving kindness, so I'll take your word for that. You actually recently came back from the 2015 Parliament of the World's Religions in Salt Lake City, Utah. You presented a, a joint workshop on loving kindness in the Buddhist and Christian traditions. I find it interesting that you presented one concept, loving kindness, that was common to two spiritual traditions. Is that common knowledge that both Buddhism and Christianity share this, or was this a unique take on loving kindness? I don't think it was uncommon knowledge, but I don't think that people are necessarily familiar with how loving kindness is expressed or taught in other traditions. Actually, loving kindness can be found across numerous traditions. In the Torah, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, the Hebrew word that has been translated into English as loving kindness is chesed. And my understanding is in the Torah, it always refers to a quality that God has. Hmm. God's love toward um, living beings. So it's considered a very high quality. So that is from the Jewish tradition. Loving kindness is very strongly part of the Baha'i tradition. Loving kindness is actually a very, very strong part of the Muslim tradition. I have a, a friend um, who she interprets for her brother, who's a Sufi sheikh, and she's the epitome of kindness. And, and I know loving kindness and love. Um, they're in the tradition of Sufi, and Sufi is known the world over as this great poet who wrote about love. So why did you stop at two traditions? <laughs> to be honest, because she could not come and present the Muslim. <laughs> Fair I, enough. I did. I sent an invitation. And the only one who responded and said she could go was the Catholic nun. <laughs> and the Sheikh sister responded and said, I would love to go, but we don't have money for this kind of a to fund me to come over for this kind of an event. Sure. And I can understand coming from Europe is not inexpensive. Yeah. So we decided we were going to go and we were going to be roommates and we made reservations at the least expensive motel that, that the parliament had arranged rooms with. And we presented, it was wonderful. Yeah. I think it's really great that you attended parliament this year because as we're discussing, every spiritual tradition or faith has some elements that, other people can benefit from. The first weekend of December, Domo Geshe Rinpoche, the spiritual director of White Conch, is going to be speaking at Joyful Path Healing and Meditation Center uh, about incorporating elements of Buddhism into our lives. These are talks that are, are geared toward people who might not necessarily be practicing any particular religion, but are interested in how Buddhist philosophy can enrich their lives. And I imagine the concept of compassion will be front and center. If you want to learn more about this teaching series and how to listen in on a conference call, check out the program page at www.white-conch.org slash jp2015. So Tekchen, here's a quote by His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Whether one believes in a religion or not, and whether one believes in rebirth or not, there isn't anyone who doesn't appreciate kindness and compassion. In your conversations and, and some of the presentations that you attended at Parliament, 
Did you see compassion as a highlight of, of different traditions? A compassion was a major theme. The theme of the parliament was reclaiming the heart of our humanity. And compassion was a topic that was discussed broadly. Um, we even had these compassion games going on. Compassion There's, games. Oh yeah. They, and, and compassion games, survival of the kindest <laughs> is what it's called. And you can find it on the web. They, they are asking for groups to, and cities to participate. There was presentation on compassionate cities and, and there are cities who compete to be the most compassionate cities wow. and schools who compete to be the most compassionate school. And we were given these little um, card with these funny little colorful circles on it. That's supposed to be a compassion torch. And we were to find people we didn't know and have a picture taken holding this torch between us and then send the picture along with our names and where we were from to this email address. And these pictures, you can find them on the web. They were posted there. There were all kinds of presentations on compassion. And seriously, anybody could Google uh, compassion games and find the information if you have an organization, a town, a city, or a school who wants to compete to be the kindest. Wow. Well, we might just have to do that. Can we find these pictures on your website? Um, yes, you could find them on my website. It would be fun to see the Compassion Torch. And for the listeners, Tetchen's website is www.reignofdharma.org. And yeah, I definitely want to check some of those out. So please post a link for us. I'd be happy to. In the spirit of finding commonalities between religions and traditions, if I look online and do even just a brief amount of exploring, I can find so many articles, uh, opinion pieces, research, pointing out where religions will find common ground. Um, and on that note, I kind of wanted to ask you, why do you think that is? Why is there so much overlap between spiritual traditions? Is there uh, a bigger picture of, of maybe some universal truths that we're not picking up on? Or maybe we are picking up on? <laughs> well, I think some people are picking up on it. Yeah. Um, it is it is not uncommon knowledge. I've I've heard it for years. Many people say that there are there's a core of similar teachings and truths that are accepted by all religions. So according to individual differences in personality, individual differences in groups of people by culture, different ways of approaching these truths I think are appropriate or seem to fit better. And even over the course of a lifetime, people may change how they approach their spiritual path. Okay. I used to like to see a quote that's attributed, it's attributed to His Holiness the Dalai Lama. I don't know if he actually said it or not. And it's like, just because somebody isn't walking your spiritual path doesn't mean that they've gotten lost. Yeah. So what do you personally believe? I absolutely believe that there is a larger thread, that there, there, the reason the commonalities are there is because there's a common core of our, not just our humanity, but our beingness, if I could say. 
um, research has shown animals are expressing compassion. And I suspect if the day ever comes when we make contact with any living beings beyond our own earth, that we will find that there's a common core there as well. I'm going to finish up then with, uh, with another quote for you. Our human compassion binds us, the one to the other, not in pity or patronizingly, but as human beings who have learnt how to turn our common suffering into hope for the future. What strikes you most from that statement? I can read it again if you'd like. Well, what strikes me again, you know, when you say hope, I, it jumps out at me because that's what I researched in my doctoral program. And I was hoping if we could find out how the hopeful maintain hope, what does, what's going on, what does it take, we could teach that to the others so they would have a better quality of life and have better outcomes. Mm -hmm. And my entire, all my studies in doctoral school, my dissertation, I developed a theory on the antecedents to hope or what it takes to maintain it, what comes before, what ingredients are needed. I created an instrument or questionnaire to measure it. Wow. So when it's talking about our common hope, to me, that word has a lot more depth of understanding. Hope is this confidence um, in a better day. It's, it's a confidence that it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Our human compassion binds us, the one to the other, not in pity or patronizingly, but as human beings who have learned how to turn our common suffering into hope for the future. Very nice. Who do you think said that? To be honest, that sounds like something that came out of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> that was Nelson Mandela. Ah, okay. Tekshin, thank you for sharing with us today. It was so nice to have you on. And thank you for asking me. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Nalwing Tekshin and her teaching schedule, visit her website at reignofdharma.org or check out some of her talks at white-conch.org slash ntekshin, Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening. You can stay up to date on White Conch news and events at white-conch.org slash updates. You can find all our social media links and blog posts, as well as podcast episodes at white-conch.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to check out the next episode as we continue our exploration of conch.